Fusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we re-engineer your brain with weird and wonderful science. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this unsimulated edition, I talk a little about the implications of quantum entanglement. But first, here's news about mint and the clocks of ageing. Mint for Minds Researchers from the Centre for Applied Medical Research in Spain have found that when mice with an equivalent to Alzheimer's disease inhale menthol from mint, their cognitive abilities improve. Not only can the chemical found in mint stop some of the damage done to the brain that's associated with Alzheimer's, but it also improved the memory of healthy young mice. The team have been exploring the connection between the olfactory system we smell with the immune system, and the brain. Their previous discovery was that smelling menthol from mint affects the immune system in a way that affects memory. Now they've applied that understanding to the decline in the ability to think and remember that comes from Alzheimer's disease. Previous research showed a correlation between the loss of smell and the first symptoms of Alzheimer's disease. For six months, Mice were exposed to menthol vapour for 15 minutes at a time, 8 times a day. The menthol vapour was made from heating water, with menthol dissolved in it. The researchers noticed a reduction in the interleukin-1-beta protein, which helps to regulate the body's inflammatory response. A response that can offer natural protection, but one that leads to harm when it's not controlled properly. They confirmed that smelling menthol stimulates the immune system in animal models of human disease. The researchers also tried using a drug that blocks a mouse's sense of smell. They found that mice who couldn't smell had memories that didn't last as long. Basically, they suffered a cognitive impairment and an increase in the inflammation-causing interleukin-1-beta protein in their brains. The results appear to show that it's not enough to inhale the menthol, you have to actually be able to smell it. Smelling the menthol causes reactions that lead to changes in brain inflammation and memory. Diseases like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, schizophrenia and long COVID often come with a loss of smell. The functional balance of the brain depends on complex interactions between various types of nerve cells, immune cells, and neural stem cells. The researchers found that blocking the activity of T regulatory cells, a type of immune cell that acts to suppress the immune system-caused inflammation, improved the cognitive ability both of mice with Alzheimer's disease and in healthy young mice. This suggests that in addition to menthol therapy, there may be other drug therapies possible based on blocking T regulatory cells in the immune system in order to slow the damage of Alzheimer's disease and help cognition. There may be other scents 
or odours that have a chemical effect on the immune system and therefore the brain when smelled regularly. Whether that becomes a scientific aromatherapy or a warning to people who vape fruity flavours, we won't know yet. Mint aromatherapy may be a good study practice if you're a mouse. The paper was titled Improvement of Cognitive Function in Wild-Type and Alzheimer's Disease Mouse Models by the Immunomodulatory Properties of Menthol Inhalation or by Depletion of T-Regulatory Cells and was published in the journal Frontiers of Science. Slow the clocks, I'm not done yet. Researchers from the University of California, San Diego have detected two clocks that cells use to regulate ageing. They observed a DNA integrity clock and a mitochondria integrity clock. Normally, yeast, plant or animal cells have both clocks, but use either just one or the other to age. The researchers have now used synthetic biology to engineer a way for yeast cells to use both the clocks in turn, on a fixed cycle at nearly half the speed. The researchers in this study first use computer simulations of how the core ageing circuit operates. This engineering approach is what makes synthetic biology different to regular biology. This helped them design and test ideas before building or modifying the circuit in the cell. This is the first time computationally guided synthetic biology and engineering principles were used to rationally redesign gene circuits and reprogram the aging process to effectively promote longer, healthy life. The team discovered that cells follow a cascade of molecular changes through their entire lifespan until they eventually degenerate and die. But they noticed that cells of the same genetic material and within the same environment, can travel along different ageing routes. About half of the cells age through a gradual decline in the stability of their DNA, where genetic information is stored. The other half ages along a path tied to the decline of mitochondria, the energy production units of cells. Imagine a car that ages either as the engine deteriorates or as the transmission wears out, but not both at the same time. The team planned a smart aging process that extends the life of cells by cycling deterioration from one aging mechanism to another to share the load at a slower pace. They've changed what worked in cells as a toggle switch between the two aging clocks into a device called a gene oscillator that drives the cell to periodically switch between two detrimental age states avoiding prolonged commitment to either, and so slowing the cell's degeneration. Age a bit this way, and stop. Then age a bit that way, and stop. And switch again. Another way to think of it is switching in turn between two fuses to burn down, back and forth, with one fuse stopped while the other is burning. You get nearly twice as long before the ageing bomb kills you. Maybe they can learn to keep the clocks stopped? The team studied Saccharomyces cerevisiae yeast cells as a model for the ageing of human cells. They developed and employed microfluidics and time-lapse microscopy to track the ageing process across the cell's lifespan. Microfluidics is where you actually mix the chemicals and measure the result on 
a microchip. In the current study, yeast cells that were synthetically rewired and aged under the direction of the synthetic oscillator device enjoyed an 82% increase in lifespan compared with control cells that aged under normal circumstances. The researchers wrote that the results revealed the most pronounced lifespan extension in yeast that we have observed with genetic perturbations. Our work represents a proof-of-concept example demonstrating the successful application of synthetic biology to reprogram the cellular aging process and may lay the foundation for designing synthetic gene circuits to effectively promote longevity in more complex organisms. The team is currently expanding their research to the aging of diverse human cell types, including stem cells and neurons. Their paper was titled Engineering Longevity, Design of a Synthetic Gene Oscillator to Slow Cellular Aging, and was published in the journal Science. You're listening to Ian Wolf on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. In countless ways, directly and indirectly, your product here serves the nation and its citizens plays a vital role in helping every American to achieve a better way of life, enables or helps him to enjoy healthful recreation, have well-trained, obedient pets, make friends, have leisure time for travel, grow bigger crops. Get real smoking satisfaction. Strengthen our national defense. Keep romance from fading away. Enjoy smoother shades. Live in a more comfortable home. Take off ugly fat. Achieve success. Thus the... Your name here. Dory. A story of refusal to admit defeat. A story of gallant men and women who kept faith and who molded the universal dream of a better life into reality through your product here. The living symbol of our national heritage. A story in the great tradition of George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Franklin D. Roosevelt, and the other heroic figures who, like your company president here, dedicated their lives to humanity, and whose contributions to the betterment of mankind will never be forgotten. Not a simulation. A faster-than-light quantum entanglement experiment conducted by a team at the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology ETH in Zurich completely rules out the idea that we're all living in a computer simulation. Sorry, Elon. If you can measure the changes in one photon by looking at another photon far away, 
more quickly than the message of the change can travel to you by light, then by Bell's theorem, you've proved all hidden variable theories are wrong. A group of researchers led by Andreas Wolroff, professor of solid-state physics at Swiss Federal Institute of Technology, ETH, has done this by performing what's known formally as a loophole-free Bell test. By measuring quantum entanglement connections between distant quanta of light that operate faster than light can travel the same distance. Quanta is the plural of quantum. Many writers refer to particles of things, but that can lead to confusion in the world of quantum physics, where individual units of things only act like particles sometimes. So I use quanta. Photons are quanta of light. Quantum entanglement is where two quanta can be connected in such a way that the state of a quantum of something, like a photon of light, is linked to the state of another photon, even if they're separated by great distances. In the simplest case, two photons created at the same time by the same equipment may be entangled, and therefore the state of one photon instantaneously changes the state of the other photon, even if they head out of the device in opposite directions. If these two entangled photons are then separated by a great distance, changes made to one photon will still simultaneously affect the other photon, appearing to violate the speed limit of the universe, the speed of light. Albert Einstein proposed that the way to explain this would be if there are hidden variables, some extra rules that we don't know about yet, a deeper level of reality that somehow allows for the faster-than-light influence. Einstein made fun of it as spooky action at a distance. In the 1960s, physicist John Bell developed a theoretical model which predicts that if certain correlations between pairs of quanta are observed, then the underlying explanation of this phenomenon could not possibly involve the use of hidden variables. This is known as Bell's inequalities, or Bell's theorem, or the Bell test. This new Zurich experiment involves two devices, one at each end of a 33-metre evacuated and supercooled tube. The aim was to see if they could measure a change made at one of the devices at the second device before light had time to travel the 33 metres across, which would take 110 nanoseconds. To make the measurements more applicable to the everyday world, the devices were superconducting circuits that act as macroscopic quantum objects. This means they can be hundreds of nanometers across and still experience quantum entanglement. The team performed the experiment over four million times, so that they could rule out any flukes or errors caused by the equipment. They were able to measure the changes in the entangled photons faster than the time for light to travel with the news from one device to the other. They managed to violate Bell's inequalities and prove that hidden variable theories are all wrong, and that quantum physics is the correct interpretation of the events. They've confirmed that quantum mechanics allows for what are called non-local correlations, or faster-than-light interactions, in macroscopic electrical circuits. This means that the superconducting circuits can be entangled over a large distance. This opens up the possibility of applications in superfast distributed quantum computing, 
which would bust the current-day cryptography that keeps us safe online. But it will also enable quantum cryptography, which will protect us from super-fast distributed quantum computing busting the cryptography that currently keeps us safe online. There are likely to be many other applications just waiting for people to understand the possibilities. The idea that we're living in a computer simulation like the Matrix is a hidden variable theory. In a simulation, distance and speed are just variables in programming code that could work differently to how they would if the universe was real. It's like a cheat mode in a game. Hidden variable theories suggest that there's another reality underneath the reality we see, and the hidden reality is the ultimate cause of what we experience. Magic is a hidden variable theory. In a mystical worldview, things like spooky action at a distance happens because there's a hidden spirit world with arcane rules, at a deeper layer of reality than the everyday world. By using these hidden rules, or by appealing to beings who live in the spirit world, in a mystical world, you could change reality. Simulation theory holds that underneath the world we experience is a deeper reality of hidden rules of computer code, and some sort of computing hardware, in a more real universe. And that we're living in a giant simulation run by our distant, godlike descendants, or by godlike aliens. You should be able to change reality by hacking the code, or by appealing to the godlike beings running the simulation. Hidden variable theories were ruled out in experiments seven years ago that won Alain Aspect, John Clauser, and Anton Zelliger the Nobel Prize in 2022. However, people have argued for loopholes that would mean that perhaps those experiments may not be totally conclusive in ruling out hidden variable theories. However, This new experiment in Zurich uses a method that eliminated the loopholes by measuring quantum entanglement between photons over 33 metres in a tube cooled down to just barely above absolute zero degrees Kelvin. There was enough distance for enough time in macroscopic quantum objects to show that they were able to measure the changes before light could travel from one device across the 33 metres to the other device. This elegantly disproves simulation theory and any other hidden variable theory. So if Nick Bostrom, Elon Musk or others argue that we are very likely living in a simulation run by our descendants, you can tell them that the conclusive loophole-free experiments have been done, and Bell's inequalities have been violated, so the simulation hypothesis and all other hidden variable theories have been disproved by the quantum physics of faster-than-light entangled photons. If they doubt you, tell them to Google the 2022 Nobel Prize for Physics. The paper was titled Loophole-Free Bell Inequality Violation with Superconducting Circuits and was published in the journal Nature. Today, in government labs, in private labs, across the country, scientists are examining the secrets of aging hidden in the chemistry of man. Under their microscopes, the blood cells and antibodies of the immune system, the body's genetic code, the double helix of DNA, the powerful enzymes and hormones that give cells life and then take it away, even the chemical transmitters inside our brain, it is here. Life magnified a thousand times where the researchers work and they are nearer to solving the puzzle of life and death than ever before. 
Dr. Robert Butler, founding director of the National Institute on Aging. These fuels are spectacular. There's just no doubt what they're going to continue to take off. They're already taking off. And by the turn of the century, it's just inevitable that we're going to have many means of intervening in the aging process itself. If the words toward immortality sound like science fiction, consider how far we've already come. Today in this nation, death from infectious or parasitic disease is rare or non-existent. Smallpox, scarlet fever, cholera, dysentery, diphtheria, tuberculosis, the great killers of our recent past are now gone, or very nearly so, and the result is a life expectancy today that would have seemed godlike to ancient man. 2,000 years ago, in ancient Rome, half the population was dead by the age of 22. Imagine a life expectancy of just 22 years. And then, in the middle of the last century, it jumped to 40 years, and then to about 47 years at the beginning of this century. And today, on average, we will live nearly 75 years. Our life expectancy has almost doubled in just five generations. It's increased 50% since the year our grandparents were born. But there's a problem here. The way we've extended our lives in the past won't work, cannot work in the future. Let me explain what I mean. In the past, each time we've conquered a disease, we've added more years to our lives. But today, even if we were to find a cure for the major diseases left, our life expectancy would only increase a few more years. Let me give you a couple of examples. According to the Public Health Service, if every variety of cancer suddenly disappeared, life expectancy would increase just two years and four months. If tomorrow morning all heart disease was suddenly cured, we would live less than six more years. So if most of us are to live to be 100, 120, even 150 years of age, it won't be by treating specific diseases, but by altering the aging process itself. There's a big misunderstanding. When people think about living long, they think about being old long. And I'm talking about, and modern gerontology is talking about, extending the period of youth and middle age, and being old for about the same relative period that we are today. People are living to be 150, they should be young and middle-aged if they're 130 and old the last 20 years. But why stop there? If science can envision a lifespan of 150 years, then why not 200, 300, even 400 years? I know it sounds fantastic, but is there a limit? And uh, so if, if in fact there is no biological genetic limit to the lifespan, we should be able to see tremendous increases in, in uh, longevity in, in the very near future. But when? How near is the very near future? In time for a man or woman 70 years old today, or 60, or 50, or 40? Or will the imagined breakthroughs come for a generation not yet born? There's no way to know. Extending human lifespan is still theory. What science will find, when they find it, how old you can be and still benefit by it are still questions without answers. Nonetheless, there are a couple of things we can say. First, that there are more researchers today trying to find the answers to aging than there ever were before, and the pace of their work will accelerate. And second, while we wait, for you and me, there is some danger here.
It lies in our optimism about medicine and science, our excitement about the promise of new discoveries, breakthroughs, and cures. And yet, like most things, long life and good health won't come from a single magic pill yet to be invented. It'll come the usual way, with good luck and hard work, the luck of who our parents and grandparents are, and hard work in things that aren't magical at all. Watching what we eat and drink and how much, not smoking, getting plenty of exercise, even in old age, staying active, involved, remembering the vital connection between love, loneliness, and long life. And in all of this, getting the advice and counsel of your physician. Because in the end, I wonder if most of us wouldn't agree, how long we live will never be as important as how well. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Are you a scientist, artist, biohacker, or maker who'd like to be interviewed about your work? Would your company like to sponsor Diffusion? Send your contributions, opinions, helpful suggestions, and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. Please subscribe to the Diffusion Science Radio channel on youtube.com slash c slash diffusionradio. And rate the show on iTunes. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolf. The news music was Rhinos Theme by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia to 28 stations on the community radio network, including Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM in New South Wales, 8 C in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek, 2 MVR in Nambucca Valley, 3 MBR in the Mallee Border Districts of Victoria and South Australia, City Park Radio 7LTN in Launceston, Tasmania, and 2XXFM in Canberra. Diffusion is narrowcast on Indigo FM 88 in northeast Victoria. Diffusion is syndicated globally on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to the podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com that's www.diffusionradio.com and check the website for links, photos and videos about this week's show if you enjoyed the show you can explore more than a thousand previous episodes archived on diffusionradio.com where the shows are labelled by keywords so you can focus in on the stories you want to hear make a donation through paypal.me slash ianwolf or Join my patrons at patreon.com slash diffusionradio. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know, and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the Earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick, everything from a molecule to a living organism. In the study of science is found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man. Knowledge of his physical world, its past, its present, and its future. And in your moments of relaxation, now and in the years to come, you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits. Photography, collecting. Why study science? Study science because you will find in the study of science a richer, 
more rewarding life.